This is Christian Mazzone, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, bogey. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, wrap oh, scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Duke Cannon Supply Co., I'm Hutton Jackson here with my co-host Adam Moore and lacrosse playground contributor and resident Atlas fan Brian Andrews. Today we're going to break down uh, our predictions for these protected rosters a little bit. Uh, a lot of roster moves occurred too since we last recorded, including Rob Pinnell traded to the Redwoods um, and the Atlas. They cut a few people. So uh, Brian, you're an Atlas guy. Let's talk this rebuild a little bit. Any opening thoughts on what the Atlas have been doing this offseason? I actually, after thinking about it for a long time, I really like the Pinnell trade. And I'll explain why when we talk about the draft later. Um, I don't know if I like yet the release of Hartzell. He had a great 2019, kind of a mediocre 2020, but it's very clear that he can still play. Um, and it's not quite clear what they're going to do with that, but they have a couple of options. Um, the Jeremy Thompson cut, I think, is the most interesting because it can kind of be overlooked, but he was the guy backing up. Baptiste if Baptiste had a violation Jeremy Thompson was the guy going out and I think that has a lot of implications for either draft that could really create some chaos in the league and again I'll expand on that more when we talk about uh uh mock first round later at a high level and and too with the Hartzell you know uh yeah I think a lot of people he's painted himself kind of in a corner as a villain so I think everyone kind of (laughs) like to see him get cut, but I think the guy can still play. I think easier decisions for Sky Rogers and Calum Robinson, who, you know, finally is cut. Um, you know, yeah. sorry, it's, it's just not, he just wasn't doing it for the Atlas. Um, but, uh, you know, the Rob Pinnell trade kind of sent a lot of shockwaves throughout. Um, yep. I know Adam, you had some, some thoughts on that too, but like, what do you guys think of that trade? I thought it was pretty even for both sides. You know, obviously Ruber is trying to rebuild. He wants more draft capital and they move up to the three spot. Um, so, you know, if they want to go defensive side, they can get one of those top two polls, presuming Lyle Thompson goes number one overall. Um, you know, he can do a lot of different things at that number three spot compared to the number six. And now he has two picks in that first, but, uh, what are your implications on the other side, Adam, do you think with RP three going to the Redwoods? Yeah. I, when we discussed when this, uh, trade dropped, you know, I think it's the best of both worlds for both teams, right? Um, the woods are win now, right? They're in win now mode. They, they've been on the cusp obviously year one, really good last year as well. Um, he adds another facet to, to that Redwoods offense. That'll be getting Jules back, Jules Henningberg back this year, hopefully. Um, and it was a win now move for the Redwoods and it's a, a kind of retooling uh, trade for, for the Atlas. And it, it, it was a good trade for both sides. And interestingly enough that uh, where they drafted Rob last year in the entry draft, they'll be drafting again because they traded him. Yeah, no, very, very interesting in that regard. And obviously, you know, no, disservice to Rob Pinnell, but I think it's a much deeper draft this time around. Um, I love the move too, because they, they really lacked having that ball dominant guy, um, you know, ex attackman last year, obviously Jules was out. That probably would have been their guy. Um, it's just not what Ryder Garnsey does. 
Um, that's why they moved Brent Adams to attack for a little bit too. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's well-suited for attack compared to, I think it was a, not a waste, but, you know, Brent Adams, you want running midfield. He can play both ways. Um, so I, I love the move. Um, you can still run Jules out of the box. And you got to look at what they're doing from an offensive standpoint um, with Miles Jones and Sergio Perkovic. I mean, they had 26 points combined between those two of them. It was the highest point total from a midfield tandem this past season. Um, and they were scoring a lot of those on two-pointers, you know? And now you have one of the best feeders in the game from X feeding those two guys. So I, I love the move. I heard a lot of, you know, Rob Pinnell's washed comments. I mean, you can't base it off of one short season. The guy's only three years removed from 78 points in the MLL in 2018, um, you know, setting records there. Like, I, again, I, I think people are getting a little too uh, short, short-sighted short on Rob Pinnell being washed right now. I think he's going to come back with a vengeance in a full season, I think, you know, th this offense is going to set him up for the most success. So I'm not worried about him at all. And like you said, Adam, they're in win now mode. You know, Nat St. Laurent has really, you know, pulled off three tremendous trades this past couple of years, uh, you know, getting Jules Henningberg, Miles Jones, and now Rob Pinnell. I mean, you can't talk about any bigger blockbusters in terms of professional across than those three right now. Um, and the Westberg trade worked out well, pr pretty well for them too at the time, even though they lost him in expansion. So really you could say four big trades right there. Um, He's proven that he, he can make deals and he's not afraid to kind of go for it. So I'm excited to see what the, the Redwoods do this off season. But we had obviously some big news with Chris Hogan announcing that he's going to play. Dalton Crossan coming from the NFL is also signing with the chaos. He was in the player pool last year. Um, and then Garrett Toole, I think really flying under the radar. I, I think once he hits the field, because I fully expect him to make a roster, um, people are going to, you know, see the Garrett Toole uh, of years ago. Um, obviously, he had a lot of military commitments, now retired from the Army. He is ready for a comeback. From those three names, anybody that, you know, you're most excited about? I know, personally, I think Hogan is a super interesting storyline. But from another standpoint, Garrett Poole, I think, has the potential to make the biggest impact. What are you guys' thoughts on those three big names announcing that they want to play in the PLL? Uh, I agree about Garrett Poole being the more interesting. Uh, I really like the move uh, to have Chris Hogan kind of be, like, the face of this kind of, like, reemergence of lacrosse stars that we used to know from college. Um, I think it's a good PR move. Um, but we were talking before the show, uh, Gareth Thule is like the only uh, person I really saw play a whole lot. And I think because of that, I'm excited to see what he can do. But with respect to Chris Hogan, I'm really excited to see how much all this trash talking about, you know, whether or not this guy can come back and play and take a roster spot from professional lacrosse players. I'm excited to see where that goes um, because it feels like a legitimate chip on everyone's shoulder. They're, they don't want some guy coming from another league and just taking a spot off a roster from them. So I think it's going to be good motivation for a lot of the teams if he does end up making a roster. Yeah, yeah I, and I, that's where I think, you know, people need to kind of slow the roll a little bit in terms of, you know, we're hearing that, you know, he's washed up hasn't played lacrosse in a while which is true but the guy just you know finished a 10-year career in the nfl and was still playing at a high level yeah sure he had a few injuries the last couple of seasons but the guy won two super bowls like he's in peak performing shape and he wasn't a bad lacrosse player when he was at penn state four-year starter like this isn't some bum walking off the street who played football and now wants you know to play lacrosse like you know when we start to get into the rob gronkowski jj watt well they got you know, could they play in the PLL? That's where it gets to get be a little ludicrous for me. And I think that does a disservice to the athletes in our sport. But Chris Hogan played lacrosse, was a phenomenal lacrosse player. Let's, you know, sure, 10 years removed from that. But, you know, I, I think as long as he's continuing to work on his stick skills, which we know he is, I, I think there's a spot 
on a team for him. Um, sure, yeah, it's really going to be competitive, really crowded, but uh, I just, again, can't get behind people that are acting like this is solely a PR move. And honestly, the way I look at it is it's a win-win for lacrosse fans. You know, if Chris Hogan goes out and does really, really well, um, it, it does, a, you know, it's a great storyline. It shows that we have, you know, a big, good athlete in our sport. Um, and if he doesn't do well, well, then it shows that he couldn't compete with the best lacrosse players in the world. And that lacrosse players are at the same tier of NFL athletes. You know, the only person that really has a lot to lose in this situation is Chris Hogan himself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, I think one thing I'm really looking forward to is I'm, I'm hoping the PLL ha- has some cameras at these training camps whenever whenever that is, maybe like a hard knock scenario, seeing, you know, Chris uh, became famous because of uh, the Dolphins hard knock series. So it would, would be a pretty cool thing to kind of see it come full circle and have him be a big part of uh, the hard knock series, right? Um, in, in the PLL for, for training camp. I, I, I want to see these battles. We want to not just hear uh, about these things, but see them. But kind of going off what Brian said, uh, Garrett Thule's the, the one that I've seen play. Uh, if anyone, if I think of anyone with those ugly Rydell helmets, he's the first person that comes to mind. Um, with it back in his days uh, with army. So I'm really ex- excited to see um, him get back on the field. Obviously he was a big producer uh, in his MLL days with the launch and whatnot. So I'm excited uh, to yeah. see him back out there and you can see, obviously the, the PLL is at that point, obviously the ML is not around, but players want to play, whether they're football players, mm-hmm. basketball, whatever the case may be, right. People want to play and are gravitating towards the league, which is the biggest thing. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that because three years ago, I guarantee there wasn't a former football player that had as much success as Chris Hogan making it to three Super Bowls and winning two that would ever consider playing professional lacrosse, you know, PR move or not, like it would just not be, have been done. And, you know, we talked to Chris Hogan, Chris has not hung up the cleats for his football career yet. Like he wants to play in two leagues. He wants to be a, you know, a two sport athlete, professional athlete. Um, You know, will he get another shot in the NFL roster? We don't know that, but I know that he's determined to make the most of his PLL um, chance and, you know, he's not going to squander that. Um, and again, went from undrafted to, to, you know, winning two Super Bowls with the Patriots. I think it's a little harder to crack an NFL roster than it would be to crack a, a PLL roster if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, but certainly interesting stories going into this training camp. And I think you, you hit it on the head too, Adam, with the uh, fact that these training camps going to be really interesting. You know, like we may think the storyline's great for Chris Hogan, some of these players aren't, they're, they're not happy about it. And, you know, they have every right to not be happy. It's a guy coming in, you know, who, who thinks he can play at the highest level of lacrosse and hasn't played in a while. Like that's great for them. I think to, to kind of prove that they can compete with, you know, an NFL caliber athlete. And I think it's going to make, you know, some interesting, interesting uh, competition at training camp for sure. Uh, going off of that, we have two retirement announcements. Brett Schmidt announced that he was retiring, uh, played majority of his career with the Charlotte Hounds and then finished up with the Whip Snakes two years um, winning back-to-back championships, you know, so happy retirement to him. And Matt Donowski, you know, one of the greatest to play our game. I love what his his note said. Um, he, he ended it with, this game matters, make it matter. Um, I, I love that because, you know, we do all care about lacrosse and we got to, you know, treat the game with respect and, and elevate it to the highest level. Um, but just to read some of his stats, 353 points, sixth all-time at Duke, three-time first-team All-American. In pro lacrosse, he was the second overall pick in the 2008 MLL draft. And, uh, Finished his career with 434 points, which is eighth all-time in pro lacrosse. 33 two-point goals, tied for third most, and was a three-time All-Pro. Um, and obviously won that gold medal with Team USA. So hats off to a phenomenal career, Matt Donowski. I'm sure, you, you know, he may be leaving 
the playing field, but we'll see him on the sideline, obviously with Duke. And, you know, maybe we'll see him on a, a PLL sideline pretty soon as well. So that's our, our, our little player movement portion. I know we want to get into these protected rosters. Before we do, let's toss it to a word from our sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Duke Cannon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back. Now we're going to get into our protected rosters. I know uh, some of these rosters for us guys were pretty easy. Some of them were really, really difficult. Uh, it kind of went one of two ways with that. Let's start off in alphabetical order with the archers. One of the ones that is a little bit easier probably than others. Um, we're just going to hit on some of the guys that are more on the bubble. You know, we're not, I think we can all agree Tom Shriver will be protected by the archers lacrosse club. But some of the guys maybe on the bubble, and that's interesting with this team, is they have one of the best defenses in the league. Um, but they have such depth at defense that you might see them only protect I think Eli Gobrick and Matt McMahon, and maybe roll the dice on a Curtis Corley, Jackson Place, or Jack Rapine. We don't know what Jackson Place's health is yet. Um, and Jack Rapine played a little bit for them this past season, but you know, not as proven as somebody else. What are your guys' thoughts? Are they going to you know, um, maybe protect one of those guys, or are they going to opt to protect a guy like a, a Josh Courier, Ian McKay, um, or short stick defensive mini like Mark McNeil or Dominique Alexander? Yeah, I mean, I think – from from the the time we started this pod, I was a big Josh Courier fan, and I was really excited to see him uh, latch on with the Archers last year. And, and he had a fantastic ga- a couple games uh, in the bubble. You know, he really uh, blended well with the rest of that offense. So um, he made uh, my protected list. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if he made uh, a lot of people's, but he's definitely one that that I see uh, making that list come when the rosters are announced. I agree about the uh, Curtis Corley take and the defensive depth because the archers do have a good defense, but they also have the potential to really solidify a third defensive spot. There is uh, a really good chance for them to get Randall or Burns in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and also somewhere else that they kind of struggled is the faceoff X. So do they maybe not protect one of their faceoff guys? And then does that lead to the intention to draft a faceoff guy in the first round? So I think the archers are going to be, um, one of the more interesting teams to follow when they put out the list because I think what they do at the faceoff in the defensive position will be telling for what they do in the entry draft or maybe college draft later on. No, I, I agree because I think, you know, in my opinion, you leave Stephen Kelly unprotected. Um, but, you know, if he gets picked up in expansion, well, maybe they take, you know, a Max Adler or Alex Woodall at that second overall pick in the entry draft. Maybe they feel strongly enough that they need a faceoff guy. If he comes back to the Archers, which, you know, could happen. They have so much talent that, 
you know, and the, the cannons are only able to take three spots. Um, you know, maybe you wait a little bit and you take a Randall uh, or, you know, even a Randy Stotts with that number two pick and then get another face-off guy like a Kevin Reisman later in that round if, you know, if he's available. So that's where it's, I think, going to be interesting. Uh, again, what you say, it's going to be kind of an interesting story to, to watch. I don't think Chris Bates has made up his mind on what he's doing with that number two pick yet. I think he's going to have to wait and see what happens in expansion um, and see kind of the movement. I think he sits pat, obviously, with that number two pick. But yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities with the archers for sure. We're going to see some key spots where there's deficiencies on these teams, right? We just mentioned with the archers potentially at faceoff. Will we see trades being made in, in come draft time? Because, you know, a team at three, uh, the team at like, say, number three in the draft um, sees that team four needs uh, a pole, needs a faceoff guy. Are they going to say, oh, we're taking TD in, in the college draft. What do you want for him? Yeah, Those are the bad. types of things because of the size of this league and the the kind of parity, we'll be able to see where potential deficiencies lie. Maybe not with a team like the Atlas, which we'll, we'll get to when, when there's a little bit more to room to fill. But with a team like the Archers and, and other squads, it'll be interesting to see the, the dynamics that happen between coaching staffs come draft day. Yeah, and I think, you know, their biggest need right now is face-off, but they have that two picks. So, you know, do you take best player available or do you feel a need, you know, early? Um, it's definitely going to, you know, be something we're going to watch. Uh, moving on to the Atlas, what are some guys um, that you think might be on the outside looking in? For me, it's Pafani, I think. Um, I think he was good in 2020 and 2019, but I don't think – that he requires a protection slot. Mm -hmm. I think that's a spot that they look to fill with the more experienced defenseman and let Pafani grow underneath the leadership of Tucker Durkin and, you know, potentially Randall and Burns. And I think that could help him a lot. Um, and then if he goes elsewhere and that benefits him, that's fine too. I think that's my main one. Um, like you were saying, it's pretty easy to come up with a 14 given the, given the number of releases so far. You know, I, I think it is interesting. Um, honestly, I think one of the big names, too, that we're not sure about is Paul Rabel. Does he stay on the Atlas? I, I think you do protect him. Again, I don't think – I think you're looking last season in a vacuum. I think he had a pretty good 2019. It wasn't Rabel caliber. But, you know, when Rabel doesn't have a Rabel-esque season, we kind of knock him for it. Um, last year was awful. But, you know, again, it was only a handful of games. So I lean towards protecting him. But do you guys think he could maybe go unprotected? And if he does, is it a guarantee that he's going to the Cannons? I don't think it's a guarantee for, for either. You know, I, we don't know what Ben Rubior is thinking. Like he could be all in on winning. Now I know I mentioned in terms of the, the, the Pinnell trade that the, the woods are all in and, and they're looking to kind of amass picks on the Atlas side, but we don't know that's the case. I mean, from, from their roster perspective, they have arguably the best face off guy in the world. The one of the best goalies from close range, right? Uh, solid def defense. Maybe some tweaks here and there can make the difference. And if Rabel's a, a big part of, of that kind of integrity of, of, of the squad, right, the vocal leader, I could see him being kept. But at the same time, I, I and I know we, we talk about kind of him getting up in age. And I agree with you, Hyden. Like last year was a blip on the radar. It wasn't a great year. And we do knock him uh, when he doesn't have a Rabel-esque year. Mm -hmm. um, but it just depends on what Rubio is looking to do because – if, if he's looking to build for the future, 
Rabel might not be a part of that just because of where he is in his career. If he thinks he can, you know, build off a, of a younger guy like Romar Dennis rather than keep him um, and, and kind of build around a, a, a younger nucleus, we could see that happening. But if he's going into this saying we're going to win this season, um, I, could, I could certainly see them keeping Rabel on the squad. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. And I, I think Rubio has shown like he's kind of like revealed his hand like he he is prepared to make some moves, pull some strings. He now has the third and sixth pick in that entry draft. He knows how much talent there is in the MLL from having coached a couple years ago. Um, I think he's going to make some big moves, some big shakeups. I think it's telling that he released four guys before the protected rosters are. He could have easily just not protected them and then, you know, let the cannons have at it. But he's so confident in his plan that he didn't even want to do that. You know, I think Kyle Hartzell could have been a guy maybe picked up an expansion if you don't leave him protected. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or, or not, regardless, but you pretty much just let him go anyway. So uh, I think Rubio's got some some uh, cards up his sleeve. I think he's going to pull some bigger moves going forward. Yeah. And they have that number one pick in the college draft. You know, Michael Sowers is, you know, obviously on on his radar, if not a shoo-in now, now that they move Pinnell. So he, he's prepared to make some moves. And I think he is thinking about the future. But I also think he's prepared to, to make some giant moves to win now as well. Yeah. And, and conceptually, we talk about rebuilds in sports like they're they're – millions of years long right like well, brian we're, we're sixers fans right so like you, you talk about the sixers rebuild over a number of seasons but because of the depth in the pll it could be more of a retool and change some pieces in and out and boom that that's the difference that's needed it's not like like tanking for t like that that type of thing right it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the ability to really change some things around and compete on an instant level with the the basis of a squad they have already it could be just a couple changes that makes all the difference i, I yeah. share that perspective yeah absolutely ttp <laughs> yeah exactly and then and then i'll oh, trust the process man that that should be that can be a you know behind closed doors slogan it shouldn't be a public fan slogan in my opinion but you guys trusted <laughs> it and it worked it out a decent amount for you guys so but moving on to the chaos they're an interesting one. They get, you know, pretty lucky, not lucky, but they have Johnny Serdik and Matt Reese who are a big part of their team. They're not going to have to protect those guys because they're military exempt. Um, but two big question marks are Dylan Ward and Connor Fields. You know, some of us expect them to, to trade those guys. If not now, eventually, um, you know, maybe they'll keep both of them on the roster. I think Dylan Ward is much more likely to be kept the entire season than Connor Fields is. But right now they're at a spot where they would probably have to protect those guys in order to use them as trade bait. Um, let me know your guys' thoughts. Dylan Ward gets protected, and does Connor Fields get protected in this uh, these protected rosters when they're due? I, I, I just think it would be irresponsible to not protect two of the best players in the world. I don't know if that's just me. And, like, maybe, you know, coaches working behind the scenes trying to make a trade. And if the writing's on the walls that, you know, I don't think we're going to keep a Fields, uh, maybe a trade doesn't happen, right? But they're, they're two of the best. I, I'm a – I talk about Dylan Ward all the time as being one of the best keepers in the league. I want him in cage ne next summer, right? I want to see him on the field competing against this talent. Um, as much as I want to see him on another roster, I think they have to keep both of those guys just because of the, the level of success they've had in the past. I think it would also be irresponsible to not protect them because they are worth good draft capital. And particularly for the chaos, since they're low on the pecking order for the entry draft, um, 
they might need that draft cap- capital desperately because they're another team that's struggling at the faceoff X right now. Mm-hmm. So they might be looking for someone. And then right now it's very, very possible that they're not in contention to get one of the top two faceoff guys in the expansion draft mm-hmm. or, or the entry draft. Sorry. So keeping protecting them and then being able to use them potentially to trade for a, maybe a faceoff guy, if they could, that could pay off well for them. No, I agree. I think, you know, Coach Towers might pull some strings and move up in that entry draft, you know, sitting at eight right now. Um, and that kind of means that, you know, Tommy Kelly is probably going to look on the outside in, um, you know, not, not a good 2020, but I still think he's a decent face-off guy. Um, if I'm Coach Quirk and he's available, he might be the guy that I target, maybe him or Stephen Kelly, depending on who's, who's available. But I do think the chaos, it would behoove them to keep some of these other guys like Dane Smith, Austin Stotts, Curtis Dixon, you know, that core that really helped them on that playoff run. Um, But that kind of leaves us with, you know, a Deemer class kind of out of the mix. He had a great 2019, was injured last year. Um, Where do you guys see him fitting in? Do you think Coach Towers protects him or does he kind of roll the dice on, you know, maybe his injuries kind of team stay away, Coach Quirk stays away from him. Um, I don't know if I'm Coach Quirk and he's available, he'd be a prime pick for me. But what what do you think they do with Deemer class here? I think that they don't and they – let the expansion draft go and take their chances. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I, I, it, that obviously changes when, when there's two spots potentially open with, if Ward or fields aren't aren't on the squad, but I, he, he isn't on my list currently that could change. I know we we keep rehashing the fields and Dylan Ward thing. We, the only way I could see them not being kept is if you look at it from uh, a production standpoint, right? If you fully expect neither of those guys, to be on the, the field, right? That's a just a break even, right? Nothing gained, nothing lost. But if you feel that keeping two other players comparatively, if you don't think you can trade them, keeping two other players comparatively, that will make an impact, whatever that impact may be as a net positive, that I can see uh, Coach Towers potentially not keeping them if he doesn't see uh, a trade going down um, bef- before that is the case. I'd keep them. But if when you're looking at kind of your 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 roster and the makeup, if you can add positive uh, a net positive somewhere else, I guess you could you could uh, talk to talk me into it. No, yeah, I, I agree because I think he kind of learned his lesson with Macaudet. Macaudet played well for the Chrome. He traded him, you know, to get another pick in this draft. Um, you know, he was crowded at attack, so it made sense for them at the time. But you know, it was almost like you know they didn't need Macaudet but he hurt them when they played him in that first game. So it's like, you know, you don't want to give up a Connor Fields for nothing or Dylan Ward for nothing just to face him, you know, once or twice during the season. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think they, they end up being protected. But it's, you know, the bigger question is what they do with those two after they protect them. Let's move on to the Chrome. They have a lot of talent in a lot of different areas. They're going to get to protect Tom Rigney because of the military exempt status that he has. So that's one poll that they don't have to worry about necessarily. Um, they have a lot of defensive guys that can really go either way. Um, you know, I think some of the guys on the bubble for me would be Eli Salama or, or Donnie Moss. You know, I think you, you keep a Reese Eddy. Uh, you definitely keep, you know, Jesse Bernhardt. You're going to get Joel White back, hopefully. Um, you know, Jake Pulver is a good poll. They just have a lot of talent. But, you know, Brian, you brought up earlier that not one of the best defenses last year at all. Uh, what are your thoughts kind of on what the Chrome do? I think it's really tough. I think, I think you protect your top two polls potentially and seven polls saw time. So they have a lot of, they were mixing up their order. 
mm-hmm. in a really short season, which means I don't think they really have a, a flow, which is really important on a defense because it's all about communication and trusting the guys on your squad. And I'm not saying like locker room problems or anything like that, but when you cycle that many people in such a short season, um, it means something might need to change. So I think it could be really interesting to watch the Chrome maybe leave a lot of defensive close defensemen off the protected list. And I agree with your take on Eli Salama, especially with Joel White up in the air, potentially getting him back might not be a necessity to protect Eli Salama. And it's also very likely that you could get a, a good long stick midi in later rounds of other drafts. Yeah, the, the Chrome, you know, I think they kind of lean in on protecting a lot of their offensive guys. You know, a guy that maybe that actually played pretty well for them last year, like Jesse King, might be a guy that maybe gets picked up in expansion um, and it doesn't make that protected list. But, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of those close-knit guys from the Rattlers days definitely stay on that team, you know, like a John Rannigan, Jordan McIntosh, um, Jordan Wolf. You know, those guys, they're almost a lock to the end. And that's where I think, you know, Donnie Moss is an interesting situation because he's one of Sudan's guys, um, but didn't have that great of a year last year. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting what Sudan decides to do if he remains with his loyalties Um, I think they might be the team that maybe doesn't shake it up as much because I think they kind of underperformed based on how well they did in group play Um, going into the playoffs. They just, you know, obviously laid an egg against the chaos. So might see some shakeup on the defensive end, but I think they're going to be, you know, pretty solid going into the season. Now we mentioned the Redwoods a little bit earlier with Rob Pinnell. That's one guy now that they also have to protect again. Um, So, you know, they have some tough decisions here. And I think the two guys we all kind of want to talk about a little bit is uh, Joe Walters and Kyle Harrison. Obviously, great locker room guys. Um, both, you know, pretty productive for their age. I'd say Walters is a little bit more productive than Kyle Harrison. Um, but they have so much talent, younger talent, and such a core group of guys that, you know, those two, as well as like a Clark Peterson, um, might go unprotected and would probably be easily swept up by this Cannons team. What are your guys' thoughts on what they do with Joe Walters and Kyle Harrison? Well, first off, when you said the two players everyone uh, is up in the air about, I thought you were going to be talking about my guy Jack Kelly and Cage and then Nick (laughs) Costello. But um, on the Harrison and Walter side of things, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see. I mean, they are in, again, I mentioned that win now mode and and Harrison and Walter certainly uh, can help um, them kind of go on another run this year. But um, I just... Looking at the their roster and building for the future, I didn't have either of them on uh, on on my fourteen, and it and it hurt me uh, to say that. And I know they'll probably be mad if they every time they hear that they're not on list, it'll just add fuel to the fire. Um, I think Nat Saint Laurent keeps them, and I just don't know who who he leaves off. But just because of the team building side of things and how strong of a unit they seem to be. I, I expect Co- Coach Nats to keep them. I just, I'm just not sure who he's going to leave off. Yeah, I, I don't think they – I don't think he does, to be honest. No? Uh, I, I think, you know, you risk one of them getting picked up, but I think, you know, Walters might have a better shot of getting picked up by the Cannons than Harrison. I, I think if I'm Coach Nat, you know, I tell Kyle that, you know, you're a part of this team, but I, ha- I can't waste a protected spot on you. And I think he's in that window where it's – you know, I don't see Coach Quirk picking up a Kyle Harrison necessarily when there's, you know, 18 other guys that he could probably get instead of him. So, you know, and even on the Redwoods, there's probably three guys that I'd probably take that are unprotected over a Kyle Harrison. So I think maybe that's where you see them roll the dice. Um, you know, he might lose that situation if Kyle Harrison does 
end up on the cannons, but I just don't think you can waste a spot on him. Um, you know, not that, you know, Kyle Harrison still can't play uh, with, with these guys, but I just don't think you can do it. You know, I just don't think you can, you can use a protected spot on him. They're too valuable, especially for a team like the Redwoods that is stacked right now. You know, that, that's where we kind of feel about that. And sorry, Nick Casello, we apologize. Um, you know, no, we hashtag don't. protect Casello, hashtag draft, draft more. <laughs> but uh, we, we don't think that Nick Casello is in the plans, but that doesn't mean he won't return on the Redwoods though, either, because, you know, maybe he doesn't get picked up by the Cannons. So, you know, we have faith in you, Nick. Don't worry. Um, but moving on to the Water Dogs, I think for all of us, this is the most interesting one. We're going to end on a really interesting team in the Water Dogs and one that is probably not going to take long to talk about in the Whip Snakes. Um, Water Dogs could kind of go one of two ways. Defense was decent last year, um, obviously had some shakeups in cage, uh, and then their offense just looked atrocious most of the time. It's just the reality of it. They just did not look good. They need a quarterback at X, especially now that the Redwoods kind of have that quarterback position locked up with RP3. But where do you think they kind of go in this? Um, who are some offensive guys that are maybe on the bubble for you guys in terms of this uh, Water Dogs projections? Well, one, one guy we, we don't know his situation, right? He's Ben Reeves at every offseason. I feel like we're talking about the, the med school thing, which, which is awesome. If he plans on playing, all in on Reeves. But that's a spot where it'll be interesting uh, kind of to see where he goes with that to see if uh, – if, if the former Tuarton winner is going to play this summer, I think it's a no-brainer, but uh, it saves a spot if, if he's deciding to go the med school route. Outside of Ben Reeves, I think that the Water Dogs have a super solid defense. They're top three, but they struggle to get going on offense. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we're going to see a large amount of defensive players protected and maybe some offensive players left off. I think, you know, to lead the list, Drenner is probably going to be left off. Uh Maybe a hot take, but we might see Snyder into Napoli. Maybe. Um, again, it's like all up in the air, but th- those are guys that I was looking at that I was wondering if the Water Dogs would want to prioritize or would they want to prioritize looking for midfielders in the upcoming drafts to kind of uh, really stack their offense. A guy that we haven't mentioned, obviously the number one pick in the entry draft last year, Zach Courier, he got injured what, like five minutes into the first game, and he just seemed off. So they're going to get uh, what hopefully fully healthy Zach Courier next summer, which will help a lot on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, the guy they drafted who played in the MLL last year, Michael Krause, at attack. So um, yeah. just something to think about. Those are arguably two additions without even having to make any moves. Um, well, do you protect Krause? Because you have to protect him. Um, so is he a guy that you, you, you protect on attack and maybe let – you know, Ryan Drenner go his separate ways. Cuccinello go his separate ways. Um, I, 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 I keep Michael Krause. I know he didn't have uh, the biggest showing at, at the MLL bubble with the Hammerheads last year, but he, he's a stud. Like, there was a reason they drafted him uh, that high in the first round last year. So, uh, if, if he's playing, I'm, I'm keeping him Michael Krause. I, I'd have to agree. I'd rather have him. Um, I think, you know, he's kind of a chameleon, too, on offense. So he can kind of fit in anywhere. I really think looking ahead to the entry draft, you won't see them protect Ryan Drenner, who didn't even play in that last game for them. Uh, Cuccinello, um, you know, I, I don't think they protect him either. Uh, I, I really think they're looking towards this MLO group that's coming out, and there's a lot of talent on offense. Um, it's almost, you know, so much that, you know, you can kind of go a bunch of different ways. I think they end up getting a Randy Stotts maybe at number four if he's still available you know, at that entry draft, he'd be a perfect pick for them. If not, you got Dan Beccaro, you got Bryce Wasserman, 
Like there's so many options for them to do that. I, I think you're going to see them prioritize, you know, those, those polls, especially, you know, having the number uh, three defense last year. Um, and I, I think their biggest needs is on offense. And maybe you see, you know, them try to upgrade that goalie as well. Um, and then after that, that's why I think, you know, maybe people are waiting on the Connor Fields situation. Cause you know, I honestly probably have Randy Stotts over Connor Fields right now. Connor Fields still a top player, but you know, maybe they're hesitant to make a move on a Connor Fields just yet to see what they can get in this uh, entry draft. So that's the water dog situation I think is most open-ended, uh, especially since they didn't really have time to really develop a lot of chemistry in just one season. Whip snakes, opposite end of the spectrum, ton of chemistry, did fine with the guys that they le that left in the off season the year prior, won back-to-back -back championships, obviously. Um, this one was really easy for us guys. Uh, the only one that maybe we, we think kind of, you know, is on the bubble is maybe a Max Tuttle. But right now it's, it's pretty clear cut who they're going to protect. Uh, I think they're going to be fine going into next season. Do you think that they're poised to make a, a third championship run with the team that they're going to be able to protect? Yeah, I think they're, they're just going to run it back, man. I mean, another <laughs> Sixers thing, Brian. They're just going to run it back again it, with, with the, the squad that's won it the last two years. I mean, you know, TJ Camisio was an awesome addition, and, and he's going to get kept. They had a fantastic year, and, and, and watch out because uh, they're ready to go for a three-peat, I think. Yeah, you know, and the Whip Snakes might add a few more Maryland guys to their squad. I think they're in a good spot, um, you know, sitting at seven in this entry draft. Uh, you know, I think they're going to try to fill the void that's left by Ty Warner, um, potentially with a Zach Goodridge if he's still available at seven. I don't know if he will be, but, uh, you know, I think right up there with Zach Goodridge is Isaiah Davis Allen as well. So that could be a Maryland guy they add. They could add Colin Heacock if they want, reunite him and Rambo together a little bit. Um, and they could also go Nick Manis, kind of flying under the radar too, as a Swiss Army knife short stick defensive mini as well. Um, so I think we'll see some more Terps join the Swip Snake squad. And yeah, looking at the protected roster, it's pretty easy right now uh, uh, for them. They're going to keep that defensive core intact. Tim Muller is going to be protected. You know, there's 14 spots now too. It's a little bit easier of a decision. Um, I, I don't think people realize how much Muller means to that defense as much as even a, a Bryce Young and a Matt Dunn. Like that three is integral to that defense. Um, and then you got Michael Earhart also all over the field as well. So that defense is going to be back and, and better than ever. And, you know, I think you, you have Zed Williams and Rambo and, and Jay Carlson there, you know, maybe Jay Carlson might be a little guy on the bubble. Um, you know, he obviously raised the stock a little bit this past season. Um, but, you know, you got Brad Smith who can run an attack too if they do lose a guy like him as well. So um, I highly expect them to protect Brad Smith who had a great season last year too. So again, that was in a short window, but I think those guys prove that, you know, Coach Stagnina has some pretty easy decisions in my mind to make um, in terms of this. Now, our final topic that we're going to talk about I know me and Adam had a very heated argument off pod. I don't know if we'll get this heated on pod, but um, we all can agree that Lyle Thompson's going number one to the Cannons if they hold that number one pick. Now, I ask you guys, what would it take for Sean Quirk to trade that number one pick to another team and potentially trade away Lyle Thompson? What are you offering to Sean Quirk? Maybe the entire Whips defense. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about this and like, I can like we you said you'd never trade that pick right and never. my never. argument was you never say never right if you're offered uh, a offer you can't refuse like you have to be willing to listen to offers like you, make you me see, an offer I can't refuse yeah exactly right <laughs> um I just I don't know what that offer would look like to be honest with you it's probably an offer based on the rosters that coaches would not want to make but like 
the the argument. What, what was I, the offer you told me? Tell me the offer you told me. I want to I want to hear it out loud, and I want people to give their <laughs> I, thoughts on whether. I'm not saying I would take it, but like, what if freaking you know, it, it's not a rebuild for for Ben Rubio, right? And you're you're like, all right, I'm sending um, Trevor Baptiste the first pick overall, and Brian Costabile maybe another pick. Like looking at the like again the the balance of like a positive net positives versus negatives and and kind of at that middle side of things i don't think ben rubior necessarily does that trade where you're losing a lot i don't think sean quirk does that trade but just like looking at kind of the complexities of, of how this league is changing i i just like you have to be willing to listen to offers on anyone and that's not picks, when you have players. the best player in the world in the palm of your hands i think that offer then, would be great which I still you can don't then, think I take it. I mean, you know, again, it would, would shake shake the whole world up in terms of I wouldn't cross. either. Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, I want Lyle Thompson. But I think the argument is not what is the deal, that, uh, what, but I think it's are you willing to listen to, to trades and does it – if you're looking to coach a team for the next 10 years, if you can get five players under the age of 25 that are phenomenal – generational talents like a Michael Sowers if they trade that number one pick you have to think about it right like it you have to be able to listen if someone's stupid enough to give you 10 picks I know he's the best player in the world and I wouldn't do it we saw how the Herschel Walker trade went uh, just destroy teams we see how these these massive trades don't necessarily work out in the long run but you have to be willing to to listen to offers I'm listening I'm listening but uh if I'm coach Quirk you got your decision. It's it's Lyle Thompson number one. Over. Yeah, I under and like I I'm I'm fully. For I know it. I like, know that's why we had a discussion. It was you know I, I don't I don't think you move at all. I don't think you even listen. I don't even think you pick up the phone. But you do make a good point where you know if people are offering a lot, you do have to listen at some point. But if I'm Coach Quirk, it's like, yeah, you can ask me about any other pick that I have. Sure, but number one. It's no question. I'm taking. Lyle yeah, and Thompson. and like this this conversation changes right after we see the protected list, right? Yes. What does what the entry draft look like? I'm sorry, what does the expansion draft look like? If there's a ton of holes on, on a Boston team still, I, I, maybe a squad's like willing to, to blow a team, uh, Coach Quirk away. But like, let's, let's see what, what these rosters and, and the Cannons roster looks like uh, after the expansion draft. Uh, and then maybe we can bring up this conversation again. Yeah, we, we'll wait and see. We need the PLL to take us in the war room for these teams, though, too. Uh, when the, we, these deals are being made, obviously, it's, you know, not not the way it works in professional lacrosse. But um, I, I just, you know, I need to hear what the offer is for Coach Cork. I just want to know if there is any movement actually being discussed or if Coach Cork is just like, yeah, ask me about any other pick, but number one, it's, yeah. it's not happening. Like I said, I want Lyle Thompson on my team 11 times out of 10, right? But I'm willing to, to listen. You're, there, there's always the, the room to listen to offers. Not if you can pick Lyle Thompson, but we'll end it at that. So this has been another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We appreciate you guys turning in, tuning into this episode. Uh, let us know who you think is going to be protected. Um, hot takes, let us know. You know, I mean, I think the interesting thing is these, these coaches value players different than us as fans do. We can look at the numbers. We can look at a production standpoint. The locker room guys are just as key. We saw that last year. Um, and I think you'll see it a little bit more again this year. And there's 14 picks that they have that they can protect. So a little bit more room to protect these squads and, and keep some core intact, but going to be some surprises for sure. So let us know what you think 
might be some surprises in this upcoming protected players list that are announced uh, coming up next week. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Um, definitely check out DukeCannon.com, our sponsor. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Um, and we hope you guys tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducan, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.